0: Welcome to the Human Performance Podcast. Here we talk about everything to do with human performance and how leaders and organizations can get the best out of themselves and their people. I'm your host, Alex Young. Hi, Maura. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Alex, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, it's an absolute pleasure. And we're going to be speaking about one topic that's very, very close to my heart, uh, having worked in healthcare and, and now as a founder and CEO of a company, which is productivity and, and your amazing background and experience in working with teams and large organizations and really getting the best out of them. How did you sort of, you know, transition into that focus around productivity? What, what was your sort of original background there?
1: actually I've been in the productivity space for my entire professional career in uh, my first job out of college was for a company that sold paper-based planners and training you know the big zipper binders that everybody (laughs) everybody used to carry around with them and really my passion is about helping people when which sounds a little bit like a cliche but when I was young, my mom, one of, one of, I think the most important lessons my mom taught me was to question authority and question sort of conventional wisdom and just sort of question assumptions. And so I found that, that really sort of cemented my interest in productivity in in my work with my clients, because I think conventional wisdom says to be successful, you have to work hard and you have to work long hours and you have to burn the candle at both ends. And you have to do all this for some point in the future. And being an entrepreneur myself, when I started my business, I just said, there is, that is not going to be my path. And there is another way. And I know there is. And Perhaps in some cases it can take a little longer and perhaps in some cases it depends on sort of the you know if you want world domination perhaps you do have to you know uh, work longer hours but i just feel like this belief in sort of the business environment that this is how it has to be whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're an employee i mean i talk to so many of my clients employees who say you know my job just requires 60 hours a week and 70 hours a week and 80 hours a week but then and we see these studies that say, you know, it it's it, it, you're not productivity actually starts to fall after 50 hours a week. And the most successful people are not um, kind of working themselves to the bone and 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 achieving your most important results, which is my definition of productivity. Um, it's a dictionary definition, really achieving your most significant results. It doesn't have to be it, it starts with well-being and you you know you you can't achieve all great things in life when you are unhappy Um, in such a big part of your life a lot of us spend even if you only work 40 hours a week that's still a pretty significant part of your life so really that's kind of what drives me is to sort of buck that conventional wisdom and tell people that there's a better way and an easier way
0: Well, I think it's a great place to start. And we're obviously recording this in January. And uh, I did a lot of sort of reflection as most people in business and and hopefully everyone did on the previous year, looking forward into the next year. And, you know, certainly a lot of people's time in very busy jobs or, or, you know, high pressure roles is really focused around getting as much out of the day as possible. And that might include working late. It might include, you know, lots of time hacks and optimizations and, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's read lots of productivity books, and, and often people go in and talk about how to, you know, optimize your time, how to get the most out of your day. But I think it is a really important point that you bring up, which is, if you're looking after yourself, the time that you do spend in work is going to be more productive. How how do you sort of? you know, position and and sort of challenge some assumptions in the productivity space when you work with people around that, where a lot of people want to be, you know, consciously work, 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 uh, to, to get the most out of their time and their day.
1: Yeah. So part of it starts with the, the understanding that, um, not working can often be as good for your work (laughs) as working can be. Right. So we, Um, You know, we spend a lot of time working and that creates these sort of neural pathways in our brain and we start to get really focused on work. But when we don't work, when we do other things besides work, when we invest in our own development, when we watch movies, when we watch TV, when we read books, when we talk to other people, when we taste new food and see new people and have conversations and and exercise and sleep and take care of ourselves right all of those things actually make us better at work and so the message that i have is even if you feel like your work requires um, you know a certain commitment or a certain number of hours and and if you can't get yourself to take care of yourself because you're so invested in your work, then maybe flip that perspective and recognize that sometimes the best thing that you can do for your work is not work. And and when you become more well-rounded, then then that sparks innovation and creativity and you create those new neural pathways in your brain. And that's where creativity comes from. And that's where you get those fresh ideas. And that's what gives you an edge in your work. So that's one of my favorite things to talk about is that sometimes the best thing you can do for your work is not work.
0: And you know, for, for people sort of listening to this, who think, well, you know, that's, I, I kind of know that, but I'm a little bit guilty of, you know, either not looking after myself or not making time for those things around my busy job. Uh, and, and, you know, things might be filling those spaces where they should be taking some time off, or maybe they should be going to the gym or going for a walk. Uh, are there any sort of, you know, either systems or hacks or things like time blocking that you'd sort of recommend to getting that balance right to, to be as productive as possible throughout the day?
1: Yeah, I think that we have a lot of assumptions about our work um, and we have a lot of habits around our work. Um, so assumptions are things you know, one assumption is that my work requires 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week. Um, I, I like to tell people to challenge those assumptions, right? Question authority, challenge assumptions, conventional wisdom, right? Does it really or do you just think that it does? And another one of those that goes hand in hand with that is, you um, you know, I have to stay connected to my communication all the time. But if you're saying connected to your communication all the time, then you really can't get anything else done in a meaningful way, right? Because you you get some sort of communication every minute or two, whether it's a a chat or social media or email or a phone call or a text message or whatever it is. And so if one of those is coming in every minute or two, and you feel like you have to check each of those as it arrives, then you'll never get anything done. And so that's another assumption to question is, you know, would it really be okay if I weren't plugged in to my communication, if if it took me two or three or four hours to get back to somebody instead of, instead of talking to them immediately. And even business owners will say, oh, well, that's the fastest way to send my customers to their competition. Let's question that assumption, right? Because is that really true? Because I think most of us would say, you know, if your banker takes two hours to get back to you, you wouldn't say, well, they're fired. I'm definitely not using them again because it took them two hours, right? And so, but to answer your question about a system, yes. I think most people don't have a system Um, for operating, right? How do I store and organize and uh, execute all of the stuff that I need to manage in my life? And so that is the foundation of what I teach. I call it the empowered productivity system. And the empowered productivity system is based on the premise of attention management over time management. And that's where that like, you can't answer every communication as it comes in because you have to manage your attention in order to get your most important work done.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really, really important. And I think I uh, certainly in the past was very guilty of doing exactly as you said, which was responding to things as soon as they come through and having my phone sort of connected to me and thinking that, you know, especially when I started being a CEO and our company was growing, I sort of needed to be uh, answering either employee or customer issues or, or anything, you know, as quickly as possible. And one of the big things that I did was just really sort of setting some boundaries and saying, okay, during these hours, I'm not going to be available, or having a sort of, you know, booking system for doing coaching or one-to-one meetings with people internally or, you know, just sort of either time blocking things or just making sure that people were aware of uh, you know, what I was doing and, and how my time was being respected. And and that made a, you know, huge change to kind of how I was operating. Um, is, is you know, would you have any other sort of tips for for someone like me who it's probably like a little bit of, uh, you know, optimized in terms of productivity. Um, do, do, how far do you think people should go in terms of kind of setting those boundaries and, and saying to people when and how they're going to be available?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we necessarily owe people specifics. Right. So so there has been some advice that says, yeah, yeah, only check your email, but tell people that you check your email, you know, only check your email periodically, but tell people that you check it between 11 and four and or at 11 and at four. And I I don't think that's necessary. I have a I have an obligation to respond to you in a reasonable time frame, but I don't have a responsibility to respond to you at four. Right. And so I think when people lock themselves in and say, this is when I'll be available, then there's going to be a day where you really aren't. And also, if you get 50 emails in that time, all 50 of those people are going to be looking at 401 to say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why, why haven't you gotten back to me? So I think timely is important, but I mean, to me, timely means one to two business days if it's not an emergency. And yes, when there are emergencies, you have to give people around you a way like a channel. So if it is an emergency, but also, I mean, there are really so very few times when, you know, a doctor on call, yes, you have to, you have to be reachable. But there are, there are such a small number of instances. I remember I went on vacation and told my neighbor, you know, I'm going on vacation and she's, and I was like, I'm so excited to just be disconnected and, you know, and have this downtime. And she was like, I will only call you if the house is on fire. And I was like, There's going to be nothing I can do if the house is on fire. Call the fire department. Don't call me. I'll find out soon enough when I get back from my vacation, right? There's nothing I can do about it. So, I mean, think about what is a true emergency and do you really need to be available? Even again, it's questioning those assumptions. People say, well, I have to be available to my kids. And I talked to clients and I'm like, and what do your kids ask you about? And one of my clients was like, well, there's a text from my daughter right now. And she looks at her phone and I'm like, and what does it say? And she said, yeah, she wants to know where the peanut butter is. <laughs> <Right? It's laughs> like, yes, yes, right. So just sort of, and, and another thing that we do is, again, this assumption, somebody, you weren't available immediately. Somebody sort of gave you a hard time about that. Well, I needed you and I couldn't reach you. And so then what we do in that moment is, well, that doesn't work. So I guess I need to be available all the time. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Not so fast, right? Yes, I understand that they were uncomfortable. You know, they were a little bit upset with you, but does that really mean that you have to just throw your your whole plan out the window and just say that it doesn't work. So just sort of looking at things and as challenges to your plan come up, don't throw the whole plan out the window. Just use that plan to adjust. And that's part of what a a system helps you do, right? This is my plan for the day. And yes, it's not going to go exactly according to plan, but how can I make adjustments and still stick to my objectives?
0: And when you work with some of your clients who, you know, perhaps they are, you know, just starting to look at productivity or or they don't have any system at all and they're quite stressed out, where do you even begin with, with implementing something in terms of a system for them?
1: Yeah, so there are six components that I think people can look at six components um, of my empowered productivity system. And I think if you sort of take a look at your behaviors in each of the six areas, then that can give you a starting place. So attention management for sure. You have to get a handle on your distractions and that those distractions usually are uh, through you through your environment in your technology. So regaining control over your environment and your technology can go a long way toward helping you manage your attention. The second place to look at is uh, what I call action management. And that's really sort of your, your tasks. How do you store and organize and prioritize and execute on all of that stuff? And the way that most people manage their actions is some combination of in my head, on sticky notes, on legal pads, flags in my email, stuff on my dry erase board, right? Um, Maybe a few things in an app or a spreadsheet. I make appointments with myself on my calendar. But if that's how you're managing your action, then that's like trying to do a puzzle when all the pieces are scattered all over the house. So I would say centralizing everything in a in a really useful tool that was made for that. So a really good task manager that has that has all those task management features, due dates and reminders and ability to reorganize and sort and reprioritize and just make it easy. Action management and a good task manager um, is the second component. The third is communication, right? How, how are you gonna stay on top of all of those emails and texts and chats and all that kind of stuff? Um, The fourth component is burnout and wellness and how are you going to sort of evaluate you know when you need a break most people just work 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 until really the burnout it's too late it's it's too late to fix it you're just so far gone that you need to quit your job or you know that you get really sick or something like that. And then the two last components are sort of ancillary, but behavior change is the next piece, because the way that we operate is really just a collection of our habits. Right. If you have a habit of checking your email every time a new one arrives, you know, leaving it open, that's a habit and it's going to be hard to change. And so understanding how habits form and how to disrupt habits that you don't want. Super important piece. And then the last piece is Is that I I feel like um, I believe that your productivity needs to be evaluated in the environment in which you sort of operate. And so that usually comes down to organizational culture and, um, and, and the behaviors of the, the leaders that you work for and the boss and kind of what's allowed at an organization. A lot of companies have a culture of urgency. So even if you understand that that's detrimental to your productivity, it might be really hard to avoid that if everyone at your company, including your boss and your boss's boss and your boss's boss's boss, right, expects you to answer everything immediately. So those are the six places to to look at.
0: Well, I mean, that's an awesome framework. And I think for for anyone listening, you can probably start thinking in your head what you're good at and what you're poor at and and which of those kind of six pieces uh, you you need to start improving. You're listening to the Human Performance Podcast by Verti. If you're enjoying this episode, why not join our newsletter? When you sign up, you'll receive a copy of Level Up straight to your inbox every Thursday with the latest tips, tricks, and news about all things human performance. Head over to verti.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. That's verti.com forward slash newsletter. You can find this in the show notes. Anyway, back to the episode. One question I'd love to ask you is that, you know, obviously you've, you've spent a long time, uh, around productivity and optimization of, of just human performance in general. And, and you've, you know, gone on to write some amazing books for for you personally. What have been some of the biggest insights that you've learned on your own journey into productivity?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'll reiterate that whole sort of questioning assumptions, questioning conventional wisdom that really, really serves me well. And I think it's really hard because oftentimes we don't know the assumptions that we are operating on. And so just sort of taking a look, um, at some of those beliefs that we have, and kind of talking about them with other people and looking at, because a lot of people know distractions maybe aren't useful, for example, right? Being distracted all day long, I think objectively speaking, most people will go, yeah, I can see where that's not helpful. But then a lot of people will say, but that's just the nature of my work okay well maybe if you have that conversation with another people another person that other person could help you reflect on that belief that you have you know what if it wasn't that way what if it didn't have to be that way does everybody you know operate that way so so questioning those assumptions and one sort of i would say that's kind of the more profound one the more maybe uh minor or or a little bit more trivial but seems to make a big difference to me is in terms of sort of hacks and usefulness and is um, if you wish that there was something that could could do a thing like i found myself one time just a, a certain like a, a small example i found myself at one time wishing that i could create a pdf out of like an email and save it on my device because i was like oh i need to save this information uh, but i'm not at my computer i'm not i can't print it like ugh. right and i was like oh i would it would be so helpful if i could do that and then i was like i wonder if i can And what I have found is that so many times if I'm looking for, oh, I wish there was a thing that could do X, there almost always is. And if there isn't, what a great business opportunity, right? (laughs) (laughs) But there almost always is. And so just if you wish that you had something, if you find yourself with a problem, go in search of the solution to that problem because it probably exists.
0: I I think that's fantastic advice. And I I mean, going back to the principles of sort of attention management, um, one of the things often I have people sort of saying to me is that, you know, yes, I know to switch off, but, but even when I switch off or even if I'm on holiday, I either have something pop into my head that I then feel like I need to act on, or, you know, if I'm not working, I just feel guilty if I'm doing something else and I can't really relax. What what are some of your, you know, suggestions around sort of almost like intentional laziness or having that ability to take some downtime and, and that kind of, you know, behavior change you need to put into people's minds to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there are, there are several levels to that. So, so finding yourself that something is popping into your mind, I think that's, again, where having that central location, that excellent task manager, and especially when it syncs to all of your devices, because let's face it, even when we're on holiday, we use our devices for music or for maps or for, you know, finding some place to eat or all those kind of things. And so if your task manager is on your device, then you can just quickly remember, you know, if you remember, oh, when I'm back in the office, I need to da, 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 Right, just throw that into your task manager from your device. Now it's out of your mind. So being able to have a place to capture that is super useful. But then the other thing is really getting in that habit of disconnecting when. you're disconnecting i can't tell you how many people will say to me you know oh i just can't relax on my vacation because unless i just you know check in i have to just you know i just check just for the first hour every morning of my vacation i just check my email just to make sure everything's fine and then i can go relax well what if number one what if everything isn't fine (laughs) then you're not going to be able to relax right it's going to suck you back into work number two you can't get a fresh perspective on something you never step away from and so if if you're still checking your email then you're really not getting that distance and that fresh perspective that you need and number three you know that belief that i really just need to check in is probably more of a Narcissistic might be a harsh word but you know probably the world will continue to spin without you and people will figure out how to get by you know one of the biggest things i share with leaders is sometimes being too available to your team is as bad as not being available at all because then you sort of teach your team to depend on you and instead you want to inspire them and let them know that you trust their judgment and that you know they've got this and they can handle things when you aren't around
0: yeah, I, th- I think that's great advice. And I think from um, certainly a business and an organizational level, uh, you need to have those business systems where there is trust between, uh, you know, leaders and their team, uh, whatever sort of area of the business they're working in, where, you know, someone can go away and the entire business will not collapse or there isn't the perception that it might collapse. I think that's a, that's a really excellent point. Um, you know, one of the questions I love to ask any, anyone really in, in, you know, any sort of high performance uh, job and, and particularly with yourself, with your background in productivity, we, we sort of touched on some things like task managers and things like that. And I'm a huge nerd and I use Asana for, for our sort of business uh, project management and I use Evernote as my sort of second brain almost where I'm, I'm jotting down ideas or organizing things. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I will sort of time block things out in my calendar and my diary. Do you have any sort of particular personal hacks or tips or anything you've heard from your clients, which, uh, you know, you find really 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 useful from a technology point of view.
1: Yeah, uh on my team we use tools from um from Doist. So we all on my team we all use Todoist as our task manager and we use Twist, which is a, it's a, an alternative to like Slack or Teams. Um but it's built on the premise of attention management and that's part of the reason I like it it's built it's built on asynchronous communication uh, on the premise that asynchronous communication is uh, is useful more useful perhaps and so those are the things that really keep us on track and I find that between those two tools, We really don't have to email each other, almost never. And so that really eliminates the volume of email everybody on the team gets. And so that, as you can imagine, frees up a lot of our time to really spend time working. So um, those are my favorite tools uh, that, that we use.
0: And and again, again, another great point touched on there, which is, um, you know, certainly in a a business environment and, and I'd also sort of advocate for, you know, most other settings as well, having, you know, a single source of communication uh if you're running a team or you're in a group of people, whether that is using tools like Slack rather than email and sort of setting that as the chosen, you know, asynchronous, as you say, communication method over something like email, uh, so that you're not getting multiple different ways to communicate. And that also obviously helps with information storage and then, you know, going back through and and, and finding things. Um I, I mean it it brings again another question with it, which is because we're so kind of hyper-connected at the moment and, you know, there's lots and lots of people who are now preferring to work from home where yes there are distractions both in terms of technology but also in terms of you know perhaps their families and things like that and, and not everyone's home office environment is perhaps like the quietest uh, shall we say do, do you have anything you know particularly suited for people who might be working from home or, or still sort of making that transition in terms of getting the most out of their day but also being able to switch off now that their home is also their place of work
1: yeah so i think um to a certain extent it's a little bit less about where you work and a little bit more about how you work, because whether we're at home or whether we're at the office, it can be loud and noisy and distracting. And, you know, if you're in a co-working space, regardless of where you are. So those principles of attention management and those techniques of um, managing your environment and managing your attention. Now, if you have small children at home, managing your environment is a little harder because they don't understand, you know, do not disturb. But if your children are older than and toddlers, um, and they are. It's it's still. If you're the primary caregiver with children at home, I think the most important thing to recognize in that case is that you're you're not gonna do. You can't do both of them well at the same time, right? You, you're either you're either being the caregiver or, and and maybe not even children, maybe you have others in the house that you have to take care of. So many now are, you know, taking care of people with COVID, right? And whether it's being a caregiver or or trying to work, you just, you have to give yourself some grace and recognize you'll never do both of them well. And so I would say that the way to optimize that is to be the caregiver when you need to be the caregiver and then do the work when you need to do the work, but also don't get, lost in those two things and forget to take care of yourself because it's that whole, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, right? You won't be able to work well and you won't be able to take care of others well if you're not taking care of yourself. So, so showing yourself some grace and try and, you know, recognizing that you can't do it all is for people who uh, have really challenging home lives in addition to trying to do um, their jobs.
0: And it occurs to me as well that, especially with things like where we're now doing a lot of meetings remotely through things like either Zoom or Microsoft Teams, that um, people are even more kind of accessible. Whereas um, previously, if you're traveling for an in-person meeting, let's say you would have perhaps a little bit of downtime where... You are either on an airplane or on a car ride or uh, on a train or something where, you know, you can't be doing other things because you're focusing on one task. And that allowed people to have a little bit of a break, um, albeit while they were traveling. Now where you can literally do kind of back to back Zoom calls and you've got things like meetings coming through where you might have some people who are perhaps not as optimized in their own productivity so they want to do things like you know very long meetings over a few hours uh, and things like that have, have you you know had to deal with that more in in terms of your own um, coaching and productivity services with with clients in business over say you know the past 24 months yeah.
1: Yeah, it certainly is a big challenge for my clients with back to back to back meetings all day. And so one of the things that I've been working with them on is that is sort of recognizing this shift. Um, when everyone is in the office, your ability to meet in real time, synchronous time is sort of physically limited by the number of people in the office and the hours that you spend in the office. And so um it felt perhaps a little bit more manageable and also that opportunity to like see people in the kitchen and you know at the end of a meeting and hey you know how are things going and you chit chat for a little bit and then that ends up being really productive either for your relationships or perhaps getting some work done either way synchronous communication can be useful when we are in the same physical space and i know that technology allows us to be real time available to anyone, anywhere, even when we are not in the same physical location. But now we have to recognize there, There are no there are no natural built in limitations. Right. So you're not limited to who is in this building at this moment with me right now. It can be anyone, anywhere. And so you have to create your own boundaries. And so one of the things that I've been working with my leader clients on is that you need to think about what did we used to do synchronously? that now we need to do asynchronously. And taking advantage of all of those tools that are available. So for example, if you're getting a team together so that you can, you know, show them the new website design, right, that everybody can review it, a lot of people think, well, how can I show it to them if I'm not with them? So we have to have a Zoom call where I can share my screen and I can tell them all about the things I did. Well, what if you, again, challenge assumptions, right? What if you made a video and use Loom or use Zoom or use any of these sort of um screencast softwares so that you could share your screen and record your mouse clicks with your voice over it to say, all right, so here's the new website and here's why I put this here. And here's what I think about having this page here. And here's how. So so and then you email the link and say, take a look at this at your convenience and let me know if you have any thoughts. And so now you've moved from synchronous to asynchronous. And now that frees up everybody from having to spend that hour at the same time. Time on a Zoom call. And so, really recognizing, um, and it goes with something you said earlier. So, number one, being very conscious about what can we, what did we used to do synchronously that now should be asynchronous? That's number one. And number two, what you said, which was not only having those central communication devices, because you probably will have a few, but really defining for the team, this is the circumstance in which we use email. And this is the circumstance in which we use Twist or Slack or Teams or whatever, this is the instance where we put things into our CRM or our project management tool. Right. And so defining those communication guidelines for your team is really important because otherwise it's like, I don't know if you're on chat or email or voicemail or text message. So I'm just going to send you this thing I need to tell you in all of those ways. <laughs> right. And so then you get like an email and a text message that says, check your voicemail or, or whatever. Right. It's like, <sighs> so Providing those
0: communication guidelines. No, it- I that's absolutely spot on. I was just going to, you know, offer like one of my biggest hacks. Actually, um, since uh, everyone's sort of been working from home, and you know, it, it's it's both sped me up, uh, and I think it's also improved. Uh, really, just kind of delegation and, and helping people to understand. Um, any kind of like, you know, conversational message is, is really just kind of screen recording and sharing video, um, you know, in terms of asynchronous communication. And, and especially with um, a, a company like uh, mine, at, at Verti, where we've got employees kind of all over the the world really some people in new zealand on, on completely different time zones um where just a sort of a, a quick internal explainer video or culture video or something like that can literally you know help them to to understand what you're talking about even if you're not there in person so i think with a lot you know lots of the technology that we're now seeing come in can be used asynchronously and exactly as you say there are many many things where we just don't need to have everyone together in a room for say like a an entire afternoon meeting where some people are there just getting bored or going asleep and things like that and i even say to like everyone at our company you know if you're in a meeting and you're bored of something just just leave if it's not productive and you want to to get on and do something you you know yourself that uh you you know that you can get done yourself um, th- those are some of my kind of just quick tips for, for any, anyone listening, um, who, who might be, you know, struggling a little bit with that. Um, last kind of question for you more, which is, um, in terms of, you know, uh, people who, who work with you, what are some of your biggest, I suppose, success stories or things you're most proud of when you've worked with people, uh, in, in terms of uh, productivity management?
1: Yeah, it's such a, such an honor and such a privilege for me to be able to teach people this way to, to operate themselves personally and professionally, right? I call it a workflow management system, but you could think of it as a life flow management system, right? This this empowered productivity system. A lot of people don't realize that the way that we operate can be systematized and then they don't realize what a difference it's going to make be so much of our stress is caused by trying to remember everything and making sure nothing falls through the cracks. And we're primarily relying on our brain for that. And that is so stressful. Even if you write things down in a notebook, right? Most people tell me I write it down because it helps me remember. And for me, the point of a workflow management system is so that you don't have to remember. And so when you don't have to remember that that reduces your stress so much and it frees your brain up and it it helps people sleep better and it helps people recognize like, you know what, I don't need to work until nine o'clock tonight because these are the things that need to get done. And I did most of them. And you know what, this one can wait until tomorrow. And so it's fine, right? And and so just sort of knowing and being able to make, most people don't really have a good handle on on all the things that they need to do. And so they just feel like if I'm just working really hard and and doing a lot of stuff, then nothing will fall through the cracks, but that's super stressful. And so for me, the biggest privilege is when people write to me, which happens every week and says, I had no idea what a difference this would make in my life. And I'm spending more time with my family and I'm sleeping better and I'm enjoying my work again. And it's really transformative. And to me, God, I just want to do a little dance every time I get one of those messages. It's really
0: <laughs> No, that that's amazing. Um and and just as we, you know, start to wrap things up, one of the things that I really enjoy asking everyone who comes on the podcast uh, is who their human performance hero is. So I'd love to learn about who has inspired you on your own journey.
1: Yeah, of one of the things that that um that I tell the leaders that I work with is that they, what I see, I work with so many leaders and what I see so often is how many of them really underestimate the influence they have. Because what I believe is that leaders like yourself, right? When you, when you have people who work for you, you influence their lives because let's face it, when people are happy at work, they tend to be happier at home. When people are miserable at work, they tend to be miserable at home. And so if you, you influence the lives of people, that means you influence their families. And if you influence families, then you influence communities, right? Because when, when people come to work and they just get sort of wrung out and exhausted, they're not going to come home and be like, gee, I wish I had a little league game to coach tonight. Right. Or I wish I had a PTA meeting to run. Right. They're going to say no to those things. So leaders influence people, they influence families, they influence communities. And in that case, they influence the world. And so the people who have most inspired me are those clients and leaders that that I have had in my life who really recognize that influence that they have and really um, wield that influence wisely. And I've had the honor to work with so many clients who um, who are leaders in their organization, who really just, they bring me in because they just care so much about their people and they recognize that not only the success of their people, but the well-being of their people is it is what will create the success of their organizations. And so just some off the top of my head um, that I've had the pleasure to work with um, some leaders, there's Stacy Duff at Turner Designs in San Jose, California, and Mike Todd at Ascent Compliance in Toronto, Ontario, and Dave Mathis at Martin Federal in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and people like them who just really believe and really care so much about their people and recognize that their employees' well-being is really what will create their organization's success.
0: Well, I fully support and second that example. I mean, I think it's uh, you know it's always a privilege, and it's one of the best things about. Uh, you know, not just starting your own company, but but even just, uh, you know, being a team leader in any organization, uh, which is that you can improve and impact the lives of, of anyone you're working with. And, and as you said, subsequently, you know, their, their personal lives and family lives and things like that, which is, uh, you know, always just very, very humbling. Um, well, you know, Maurice it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that we can talk about productivity uh, literally all day, but that would perhaps not be the most productive thing to do, ironically. Um, I know you you've got lots and lots of fantastic resources available on your website and in the many books you've written. Um, If someone does want to uh, reach out or find out a little bit more or pick up one of your books, where's the best place to go to, to find out some more information?
1: Yeah, uh, maurathomas.com is probably the best place to start. And I'm so excited about my latest series of book, the Empowered Productivity Series, because it takes three of those six components, attention management, action management, and communication management. And each of those books is just designed to be read in about an hour. And so it makes it very, very easy um, to get started. And that's uh, the the information about those is available at maurathomas.com as well
0: amazing and, and actually when i was doing my preparation for this podcast uh maura's got a fantastic quiz uh around your own productivity you can take on her website uh which is very fun and uh you can go through and find out you know which are the areas of your life you're you know least optimized in in terms of your own productivity and work-life balance which is definitely a little bit of fun and worth doing so uh i highly recommend doing so well, maura it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you uh and i hope you have a fantastic rest of uh, the day and this year
1: Thanks so much, Alex. Pleasure to be here.